The following podcast is brought to you by MassInSports.com, your home for Orioles and Nationals baseball. Hey, O's fans, welcome to the latest edition of Yard Work alongside Steve Molesky. I'm Brian Eller. Steve, what's going on, man? What's happening, Brian? Uh, another week goes by. Orioles are in the midst of uh, a long homestand. Um, took two out of four against the Red Sox. They took uh, the opener against the Yankees yesterday. Again, I know we always seem to talk about every week, um, you know, try not to take in the small sample size. It's a long season, uh, but they had that. Um, I guess you could call it a, a, a setback of a road trip. You know, they got swept by the Astros, but they still took two out of the three series on the road. Uh, right. But I think most people were looking, uh, anticipating for the uh, the home series against the Red Sox, the two teams battle on top of the division and they dropped the first two um didn't look very good doing it well then they take the next two and look very good doing it um so again i know taking that small sample size and just looking at that week just kind of what what have you seen this past week what, what do you like uh yeah i mean up, more ups and downs which um are to be expected i mean i think you know if you look at the past few days um on my blog and Twitter, there was panic in the streets after they lost the first two games against Boston. Right. And three days later, they're tied for first with Boston. They gained three games in three days. And so, you know, winning those last two games was big. And so their pitching was not good here recently, but they did win the games. And even as we taped this, they beat the Yankees Friday night, 6-5. to five. They came from behind. Um, and so they've gotten back to nine games over. You know, tonight is the one-third point of the season, the Saturday night Yankee game. A win would put them on a 96-win pace. That's I believe it's exactly what they had in 2014, right? They finished I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think any Oriole fan in February would have signed up for that. Um, 96 wins, you'll be in the playoffs somewhere, even if you're in the worst-case scenario, a wild card. I can't imagine that you're out. So that doesn't mean they get 96 wins, but when you look at the fact that Hardy's out, O'Day is now out. The rotation has had its ups and downs. The offense has been streaky, stretches without home runs, stretches with tons of home runs. Even the defense, I think overall, has probably been a little below Orioles' standards right. if you look at some of the stats. It's hard to believe, you know, exactly. it's one of the top ones. So consider all that, and they could potentially, with one more win, be on 96-win pace. You have to look at uh, – all those little pictures we looked at, but the bigger issue, they're right there with the Red Sox. They have won four out of seven head-to-head against the Red Sox. They have outscored the Red Sox head-to-head, the highest-scoring team in baseball. Right. So uh, anybody that thinks they can't play with the Red Sox, they can. That doesn't mean over six months they will. If these young kids for the Red Sox, Brian, keep hitting like they've been looking, they could run away with this thing if they pitch because that offense is dynamic. But um, the Orioles have done have done well. You, you have to give them good grades when you get 33% into the season. Right. It's, it's hard to imagine Mookie Betts finishing with 42 home runs like I think he's on track for at the moment. But uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, he was uh, sure something to watch over that series. And I, like you said, I think especially after they lost those first two against Boston, fans were kind of knocking on the, the panic door a little bit. And I think after the series finale, Buck even mentioned the postgame. He said that the first two games kind of – ruffled up our guys a little bit and they said hey we're, n- right. we're not going to roll over we're going to uh come back and and again i know we talked about it on a couple episodes before this but uh anytime that the orioles can put up a lot of runs without using the long ball it's always encouraging to see because again that they've got that stereotype and they showed it the next night by hitting seven home runs in seven. the game you know but 
being able to put up all those runs without relying on the home run, that's definitely Kurt Newsy because, right. like I said, that's not always going to be there, you know. No, don't expect to see a lot of that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, uh, it, it won't happen often, but it is nice to see. And, I mean, it's been a it's been an ongoing every year um, discussion on, on my blog about the offense, and, and my take is they kind of are who they are. I mean, fans keep saying, I want to see the work to count. I want to see this. I want to see small ball. Buck is not a big believer in small ball. Couple that with the fact he doesn't have a lot of good small ball players. Right. You won't see small ball. Right. It's like asking an NBA team that can't pound it inside right. to, to shoot nothing but shots in the lane that night. Yeah. That's not who who they who they are. So they have to do some good situational hitting. We've seen some of that, and that's important when you can advance a runner, when you can get the sack fly, some little things that help win you some close games. Sure. But um, over the big picture, we kind of know what that offense is. Right. And I question for you, in, in your mind, I think you this was a ball to pitch on Thursday night, so I know you were in, in Frederick uh, covering Gallardo, but – do you, in some ways, was this his most frustrating start to date? I mean, he looked so good through the first, you know, four innings, and um, all of a sudden he just hit that 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 I think it was that sixth inning where he just he couldn't even escape a batter. It just kind of fell apart. Of course, the Orioles came back to win, but boy, that's got to right. be so frustrating. Yeah, for him, for him, and the, the clubhouse, um, and I think that day again, as you said, I wasn't in the ballpark that night. Right. I was at Frederick, but I think Buck. Stuck with him a batter too too long maybe and but I think his thinking was I have to reach a point where this guy is going to overcome these big innings right. and stop the bleeding and I have to give him a chance maybe tonight is the night he stops it and it lets him know the next time it happens he can stop it again and not every inning has to turn into a meltdown it can be stopped at two or three runs instead of five or six which would make a big difference for him because he seems to have this one bad inning and so. Hoping against hope that he could, he couldn't. And Ortiz hit it out, and the Orioles fell behind, and they won the game. So that was the, the bottom line to that. But uh, right right now the rotation has uh, is a legitimate cause for concern. Sure. I mean, some stats as we get ready to go into the Saturday night game. Uh, one quality start in nine games. Rotation ERA, seven, eight, nine. That's not going to get it done. Five in the last 18 games, 649. Okay, that won't play over 162 games. Right. You know, they scored 31 runs the last three nights in one games. They're not going to score 31 runs every three games. So um, I still see Tyler Wilson as having a chance to be solid. We know Tillman and Gosman should probably be pretty good. They both had some, you know, the, their stats coincide with Tillman and Gosman having a couple rough ones. Correct. So normally you don't hope you're going to get that. And they've given up a lot of home run balls lately. A whole a lot of home run balls. So I mean, these are we can't overlook that. We can't say everything's fine. They're on a ninety-six win pace because if they if their rotation area is seven for the next three weeks, it'll be hard to have a good record with that. Exactly. Exactly. And and I mean, do you do you take any and do you point pinpoint anything specifically when it comes to Gosman and Tillman having a couple setback starts? I know Tillman. He I think he allowed one home run in his first eight starts. He's allowed. I think something like eight over the last four starts, uh, six in the last two, uh, gave up right. a couple. Now, I thought a couple of the home runs last night um, were decent pitches. The, the batters just went and got him. Alex Rodriguez, he just went down and, and got that pitch. It wasn't yeah. necessarily a bad pitch or mislocated. It was just kind of the, the batter won and the, that, the battle that time. And that's something to look at. Right. You do have to look at that because a home run where the batter hits a, a pitcher's pitch is preferable to a hanging curveball that you tee it up for him. Of course. So, um 
you know, Gosman and Tillman have both referenced that the command was just not where it needed to be, and they didn't put the ball where it needed to be. So they gave up some home runs. You know, Gosman, sometimes his fastball can be a little straight, and while the velocity is there, if he's not getting the late movement, um, you know, one thing we miss with pitching, and you and I have referenced this before, and this, this will come into play with Gallardo, that we're so obsessed with the radar gun. But Gallardo has been insisting, and let's see what happens when he pitches for the Orioles, that he's getting late life and movement, that he wasn't getting in April. And for him, particularly, that's big. He's not going to strike you out, but he just doesn't want you to center the ball. He wants a routine grounder to short, not a rocket in the gap to left center, and that late movement gets it for him. And so all these pitchers, if the ball is straight that night, they're not commanding it, it's supposed to be on the outside corner and it leaks four inches to the middle, that's the difference between a home run and an out. So um, that's why these guys are the best in the world, and that's why they can't do it every night. You know, Kershaw, his command's pretty good every night. Right, exactly. That's who he is. But the rest of them that are mere mortals, I say, we won't some expect, nights— We won't expect that. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> not quite there. Absolutely. And I think you you mentioned a good point about the, the trying not to be too obsessed with velocity and everything. You, I think talking after— Gallardo start on Thursday. You had mentioned that he had talked about, hey, velocity wasn't you know his top priority. It was making sure that he could put a fastball on this side of the plate, put it on the other side of the plate, try to get his location and like you said, move things around. And that's what he was really focused on. Um, kind of segueing into his start. You were there. What did you see from that? I know his pitching line wasn't that impressive. Again, we know they had some uh, keys had some errors there in the in the field, which may have uh, attributed that line. But um, what did you see from him? Uh, what are your thoughts on well, his Well, he gave up a lot of soft contact. There were seven singles in three innings. Um, there were one or two balls that the Orioles will get to that the keys didn't were out of their reach. And so um, it, it, it was a net plus. And fans would say, how can you say three runs? Seven hits in three innings was a net plus. I'll refer you to spring training, which is kind of what he's going through. Chris Tillman would give him four runs, and he would say, I felt good. I got done what I needed to get done. The ball was coming out good. I got some late life. And the fans would write to Rock and I and go, what's he talking about? I'm looking at the box score. I mean, look at how well he pitched when we got to the season. And so you have to you have to – I listen to the pitchers. And I think what fans are hearing with Yovani, this is me interpreting the fans' interpretation of Yovani. I think I need a psychologist after the way I wear that. They're hearing him say, I'm putting spin on the radar gun because I don't throw hard. So 87 and 88, 90, I don't care about that. They're hearing him say he's in denial on the radar gun. What I'm hearing him say is, guys, that's about what I throw. I might be a 91 or two in there. And I need the late life and movement, which I'm, I think I have now, that I didn't have earlier because my shoulder was hurting. He's talking about the extension he gets with his shoulder now, the finish on his pitches. That wasn't there before because there was something going on with the shoulder. Right. So two things. First of all, let's see if he is truly healthy. And then let's see if he can stay healthy. Those are two different issues. He might look great the first two weeks, and something could crop up in two months. But um, I think we truly grade Gallardo after he makes four or five starts when he returns. 
We have a little sample then to look at. Right. Don't judge him on his first two innings, whether it's great or lousy. Until then it's incomplete. Give sure. him a couple games. I know we won't because we, we grade pitch by exactly. pitch anymore. But I, that's how, what I'm going to do. Right. Even if he throws great the first night, I'm not going to say, hey, look. You know, I'll say, hey, that was a really good start. Let's see how he keeps going. And I, that's fair when we get a few starts into this. He's further removed from, you know, the rehab. And let's see what it looks like because th- – the words he's saying and, and his body language is telling reporters, I feel pretty good about this. I want another shot at this. I'm getting some late life. Let's see what it looks like. And that's what I hear from Buck, too. That's good. And I know he said, you know, he was he was sore after the start, but to be expected, you know, especially given the, the, the situation he's in, but it wasn't anything. Right, out, not in the, the shoulder. And that, right. And that's, you know, um, and that's... Uh, that's a big thing, you know. Whenever they're, yeah. they're able to say, "Hey, I feel good," you know, it doesn't mean you know, hope, hoping for no setbacks. You know, He's not been very for positive. That, I mean, I've I've talked to him probably just about every step of the way. I just happened to be on the road trip when he threw two bullpens and we interviewed him in Frederick. So he almost every little step he's had, I I've, I've been part of the interview with him, and um, I would say we're encouraged. He's encouraged, and now let's see what these next few weeks hold. Sure, absolutely. It. it Seems to be every week miles per hour and wins and losses are just two of the most overrated stats when it comes to pitchers. Yeah, as we, as I mean, we continue the, to find the out. The game you know? is there's more velocity in the game than ever, and so I think that's that's one thing that's that's you know we all want 95 to 100. Um, there's things you can do there that you can't do with 91 and 92, but um, you know especially bullpens now the power arms we're saying you know this is big it's important. And even the Orioles. I mean, you know, uh, Givens, he can bring it up there pretty good. Britton can throw it pretty good. Gosman can throw it pretty good. Bundy is going to get back to 96 or 7, I think, right. at some point. So they've got some arms, too, but they've also got Tyler Wilson, who's not, not going to throw at 96. Right. And so, and Gallardo, who's not going to throw at 96. And those guys can win, too. Absolutely. And Wilson searching for his first home victory of the year. Uh, tonight against the Yankees, so we'll see if he can he can cross that off the list. Um, so we talked about the rotation. There's some question marks. Uh, definitely a cause for concern. Um, the bullpen, meanwhile, I I think even you know I was, there's a bit of bad news putting O'Day on the disabled list. Right. Um, but I tell you, they, the uh, the bullpen has been pretty much what you'd expect. Pretty, uh, darn near sensational with, um, especially with Brock and Givens. I think. Yeah. I think O'Day and Zach Britton are the the headliners. I think fans would, would their ears would perk up if they heard both of those names, and deservedly so. They're both having great seasons. Um, but I think certainly flying under that radar, and hopefully not for too much longer, because I think we now seem to start to be giving them the recognition they've so long deserved. But both Givens and Brock, um, both five and zero. Oh, they're, uh, I think, sub sub one and a half ERAs, I, b- I believe, so far. At least, uh, at least Brad Brock. Um, yeah, we'll Givens is a little over that. But right. I mean, and he's had some issues with lefty batters, we know. Yeah. But he's been really good against right-handed batters. Um, and you know, these last couple nights, again, as we tape this, someone might be hearing it later. But Givens has gotten back-to-back wins, two innings and one in the third. I think that's an important step for him. Sure. He hasn't pitched him back-to-back much this year. Um, and so two innings, I think it was only 21 pitches, the finale against Boston, yeah. and an inning in the third against New York where he did something that Buck will notice, maybe more than the rest of us. He had a good time to the plate when he came in the game, allowing Weeders to throw out, I believe it was – Gardner or Ellsbury? It was Gardner because he got mad through the helmet. Yeah, and it was it was a quick inning. I mean, boy, Gibbs yeah. came in and just 
made quick work. There was a time where Givens' time to home plate was not great. Mm-hmm. He's worked on that, and he gave Weeters a chance to get a very important caught stealing in that game. Um, and then it got three, rolled through three quick outs. So, um, you know, Givens is a poised kid out there. He's not going to um, buckle to the pressure or the situation. He's very confident. It's a very reserved kid, but it, the inner confidence is there. I think sure. you can see it. And so he he and um, you know Brock may move into the eighth, and Givens may move into the seventh. Everybody may bump up an inning here with O'Day out. Right now, righties against Givens, righties hitting again a mere one sixty two. Lefties meanwhile four sixty nine. Right. With such a disparity, uh, does that does that limit? you as a manager in terms of what situations you can you go with Givens or I guess you know what well I mean I think um, it it might um, most of the guys it doesn't with Buck because you know they're going to pitch against anybody Brock O'Day Britton it's kind of a betwixt in between Buck doesn't want to send a message to the kid that I'm scared to death to have you face a lefty but at the same time he's going to put him in situations to succeed and he's got that slider which is so big for him, and the fastball, uh, that it can overpower right-handers and be very tough to hit. So, I mean, I'm sure when he can, if there's four straight righties coming up, that might be his inning as opposed to someone else, and he'll look to do that. But last year, Givens was 205 against left, so this was not an issue in his rookie year. Right. Um, and I think over, over the time he's pitching the minors, and of course he doesn't have an extensive sample because he was converted from his shortstop, but he's been okay. So up until this year, the stat sheet wasn't out of line like it is now for him. Right. And do you notice a change for that? Is that just uh, I don't. figuring him out or you know, finding him out? I mean, I mean, Michael said he didn't think there was anything he could pinpoint. Um, and he thought he had thrown some quality pitches to lefties. He'd just been hit. But you know, it's pretty clear coming from the angle he comes from that right-handers see him not great, and left-handers see him it's wide open. You know, right. there's a big opening because he's coming way out here. Right. So they just have a much better look at his arm slot and the ball than a right-hander who's trying to have to look halfway to third base. You know, uh, because of the arm slot he has, right. and that's obviously. A big different look for a lefty. Sure, and it's a little skewed uh, to. I mean, four six nine average. That's off of 32, 36 plate appearances. So we're not talking all the batters right. in the world. He'll bring know, that, that down. That'll that'll go down. Um, but uh, of course, Givens he he actually made his debut June of last year, June twenty fourth uh, wow. against the Red Sox. So he hasn't even been he, uh, up up in uh, for an entire year yet, and he's uh, he's certainly uh, proven that he belongs up here. Um, I'll tell you how good how good a kid he is. Talking about talking to him recently. He says to me, he says, Steve, you go to Bowie all the time. I go, I haven't been there this year. Uh, Michael, I've been traveling on the road a lot. He goes, he goes, man, get my ring. I said, what? He goes, get my ring, that championship ring. Oh, my ring, that's he doesn't right. have it. Yep. And he was a big part of that team. You yeah. know, he pitched half the year there, and he was one of their late-inning guys. Um, and, you know, that's impressive that he's in the big leagues now, but he – you know, just last year it was a special experience for him winning, being a part of a team. He wasn't there when they won it because he was right. already with the Orioles, right. but he he was a part of their season. Right. And so I think what the Bay Sox are going to do, I've, I've been told and heard, is they're going to bring him and Dylan Bundy back when the Orioles have an off night and introduce them to the crowd and give them their rings. And so I mentioned it to someone from Bowie. That's I said, nice. hey, do you guys give Michael Givens his ring? He wants it. I pictured you, you know, busting in there, getting the ring, taking it, smuggling it out, and well, giving, that's what delivering it to him. He you said, know? Steve, man, it's practically your home at Bowie. Get my ring. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, well, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to believe how fast one you know things can change in one year. You right. Know? Um, Plus, I've seen that Bowie ring. That's worth getting. That's a nice ring? That's a nice rock. Nice. 
Nice. Um, and so his teammate Brock, again, I, I think he's certainly been uh, – been one of the top you know Orioles this year overall not even just in the bullpen um he is currently 5-0 and he's got a 0.91 ERA um what have you seen from him just more of the same really it, just how well, he's he really really locked in now he he probably doesn't get credit for the velocity right this guy's hitting 96 every time he's in there right and you know we're always talking about wow it's 97 for Gosman well Brock's 96 every time he pitches, practically. And so he's really got that, and I think he is locked in on his command. His changeup is such a weapon because he throws so hard. Um, His breaking ball has gotten better since he's been with the Orioles, and he's just found a real home in that bullpen. I mean, it's a family within a family, and they all like each other, support each other, and Brock just hes fits. He's kind of the perfect clubhouse Oriole, you know. He's a quiet leader. Uh, guys can rely on him for advice, but um, uh, he's been really good. The quality of his pitches and the command, nice two for two there. Right, and I think it it's just such a good bonus to have because on with the starting rotation, you know, having its issues and, and trying to figure things out, certainly you don't want to rely upon the bullpen to carry you the entire time, but, hey, those starts where the starters only go four, four and a third, five innings, you've now got these, these guys that – you feel pretty good. You almost feel like you're, yeah. you're bringing another starter out in terms of, of quality of pitches um, to, to hold things down or at least stop the bleeding or, or hold the line if it's a tie game or if they're only ahead by one or behind by a couple. I mean, that guy uh, could close. He could close games for somebody. And right. I think he would do it because I think he's got the guts to do it and he's got the pitches to do it. And so he's a rare reliever in that he probably has three on a given night plus pitches. You know, a lot of guys come in and they're one or two pitch they're really relying on to get those two or three or four outs they need to get. I mean, Brock, he can mix in the changeup. He can put it, put you away with the slider, blow a high fastball by you. You know, these Oriole pitchers are so good at elevating fastballs, especially the ones who's got, who have the mid-90s. You know, you have a margin for error. If you've got a little extra velocity, you can elevate it. If you're 91, 92 and you elevate it, it might not work out for you. Right. So they really have a good game plan. And, um, you know, that was a great – Trade for Dan Duquette. He traded Devin Jones. Absolutely, who's I believe back. It was, but back with the Orioles, he ended up in, in 2015. He was originally right? an Orioles draft pick. All right. Uh, they traded him for Brock. Right. To the Padres, he please. went to another team. The Orioles got him back, and he retired. retired. I mean, he never really had a much of a career right. beyond maybe A ball, Double A, and so. That's who they got Brad Brock for. And we'll call that a successful trade for yes. sure. Absolutely. So I'm going to quiz you here, Steve. He's given up, Brock's given up one home run this year Ooh. in almost 30 innings. Do you remember who it was against? I do not remember who it was against. Give me the team. Let's see if that'll help me. Chicago White Sox. Abreu? It was actually Brett Lowry. Oh, wow. Um, and I, it's so uncharacteristic for Brock to give up any home run, so I know that was. Uh, yeah, um, it was kind of like, wait a minute, did that just that just happen? Uh, I know, think so. the media jinxed the Orioles because right about the time reporters started writing about them being among the stingiest giving up home runs mm-hmm. in the, uh, baseball, they started giving them up in droves. Right. So Brock and Givens, we apologize. Uh, we've talked apologize about this. Apologize in advance, guys. <laughs> Don't hold it against us. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, so I guess one thing that that fans always seem to kind of be clamoring about, and it seems to be changing uh, again on a week to week basis, is is the whole left field situation with, with Kim versus Rickard. I mean, boy. J- Two weeks ago, Joey Rickard was, you know, a great, right. sort of fan favorite, and we're, we can't stop talking about him. And now, um, boy, sometimes I kind of go, oh, yeah, oh, they're bringing in Rickard to, to pinch run or something like yep. that, you know. And um, I, I certainly would take that as a credit to 
Hyunsu Kim, who was taking advantage of his opportunities. Three hits again last night. Um, is. Again, still a small sample size. His average still in the high 300s. Um, boy, he is. Um, he's certainly proven that, that that spring training was just maybe just getting used to uh, yeah. the American way of life or something. But I boy. guess very strange that the guy went from doing almost nothing to them really wanting him to go to the minors to hitting 400 in the majors or close to it. Right. So that's just a... I mean, who saw that coming back uh, on opening day? No one, really. Uh, Maybe him, I guess. But it it seems like, in a strange way, and the Orioles didn't plan it out this way, but him being on the bench, getting after that controversy, if you will, as he go into the minors, he's refusing assignment. That was a big deal for about a week. Mm -hmm. Then we got into the season, and I think the Orioles, and I think you and I have talked about this, winning those first seven games took the focus off the Kim situation for a few days, and the next thing we know, he was just one of 25. He wasn't playing much. He was right. almost a forgotten guy, and it kind of gave him, and Buck has set reference this, a break. Let's go work with Cool Ball for an extra 20 minutes in the cage. Let's talk about some things, and let's just kind of, you know, settle in here. Right. And uh, his teammates, from what we hear, have been unfailingly supportive of him. You can do it. Come on. We'll help you. Let's go. Um, I think Danny Lee, as interpreter, is big for him because he's kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. He keeps helps keeps him loose. And so all this somehow brought Hunsu to a point where he got in the box and he felt better about it, you know. And he, maybe he made some improvements with cool ball. And he, uh, he cheated to get to a couple of fast balls, which mm-hmm. all hitters do, I think, at times. Sure. And he hit the home run in Cleveland, that which was, was nice. Big. Yep. And so now it's more than – before it was like, oh, sure, Steve, but he's got five infield singles. Well, then he hits a home run to win a game. And he hits a double to the center field wall. And, he, and last night he hits it solidly off 97 from right. Batances. So, I mean, this is not infield hits anymore. Right. He's and- swinging a good bat. And he reached this place. How exactly? There's no manual that the Orioles could go. Next time you have a KBO guy who's hitting 100 in camp, do this. So to watch you watch it work. But somehow it worked. And so now we see if it has staying power, and you ride the hot hand, you know. Of course, there's the, the language barrier to, to take into account, but you're in the clubhouse with this team all the time. Um, you mentioned their teammates have been supportive of him. Do you, do you feel like he, he kind of really is one of the guys? Do you I notice think so. Of that? It's hard to know. I, I I never feel as a reporter we just never get to know the international players right. that we need to talk to through an interpreter. I just can go up to Zach Britton today and I can talk about politics if I want to for 10 minutes or ask him about his sinker and get some insight that I can't get from Yunsu Kim right. because of the situation. And so he seems to be with the reporters. He's kind of serious you know, he's not going to joke around with us. Koji sometimes would, even with the language barrier. He's, Koji was just a fun-loving, fun guy, you know, yep. fun, just a good guy to be around. And uh, Danny, his interpreter, is kind of that way, so I think that's a good balance for him. It's a good in-between, but you just don't get many, even in the interviews. Last, uh, after the game, I asked him a question about hitting Batonsis' velocity, and it, it clearly was not understood because the answer was not about, about gotcha, that. Right. And so <laughs> that gap that, sometimes. Yeah, that <laughs> gap sometimes, you know, we just don't we don't we don't get I feel like I've interviewed him with the, with this interpreter probably ten or twenty times now and through no fault of anybody except the situation we're in, it's hard to get the same insights. Sure. There have been rare moments where I said, hey, that really I kinda understand what you're saying there. And so um but I think the bigger picture is Oriole fans just should be delighted about what he's done, how far he's come, and he's fitting in. 
Absolutely, and I, I, I always laugh at whenever I see his the home run celebration where they gave him the silent treatment. That was uh, that was a lot of fun to that see. Was classic. He, he even played along with it and gave those that's mock what, high fives as that was coming along. It he, would have been awkward he if he had run to the end of the bench and going, <laughs> right, where's everybody? They don't high five the players from Korea or yeah, something, you right. know. But he totally got what was going on, yeah. and so that's that's what made it great, yeah. you know, that he played along with it. Yeah, yeah. There was actually somebody on the one of the blogs, uh, or maybe it was during the live chat with. Chris Davis and Adam Jones earlier this week, and they they were complaining that that Kim seems to just be a singles hitter. And well, okay, would you rather have a, a, a guy who strikes out all the time? Boy, uh, you know, on base right. is not is nice to have. You know, I know they're not a small ball team, but uh, but boy, I'll take I'll take yeah. singles most most times. Uh, and you know, he works the count pretty well, and he's got a good eye. He might have one of the best eyes on the team in terms of taking close pitches and right. getting in hitters' counts and things that are all going to help him. And this is what's the book on him. Right. You know, in Korea, he walked more than he struck out, which in any league, that's a good thing right. to have uh, high on base. So um, He's as advertised. So you know, even in speculating going into the season, I speculated maybe he would be a two-hole hitter because uh, of the on base and the ability to – hit the ball through the right side if the leadoff hitter gets on, you know, and they're holding the runner. So it looked like some things added up for him to bat where he's batting right now, and uh, it's going well. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, – do you like Jones at the top of the lineup uh, from what you've seen? Temporarily. I don't think we're going to see it forever. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I just saw where to- uh, Jose Bautista is batting first for the Blue Jays. I'm like, What? So, I mean, you just don't know how this is going to wind up. I mean, I'm old enough to remember Ken Singleton batting first for the Orioles. Uh, You know, Marcakis, I don't think anybody foresaw him. We knew he's on base guy. Right. But I don't think anybody actually said he's going to bat first until they they put him back first. He did well, I think, up there. Yeah. Those are the things you can do in in early June, maybe not so much in in early September. (laughs) Yeah. I think if you're Buck, you have to know your players, how they'll handle it. and most of the Oriole guys say, and I, I think they're they're being truthful when they tell us this, they really don't care where they hit. Just put me in and, you know, uh, I don't think they would like being somewhere different every night. You know, they kind of right. like to have a handle on it. But they just like to be out there and uh, it's working for the moment, so you keep it going. Well, that's an underrated thing, too, because I have heard some players that say, oh, I, I feel more, com- I like to bat here, I get a little fussy when I'm not in that. So, boy, the, the whole go with the flow and just do your role, um, I think is yeah. another reason why, hey, this team is off to a good start that they are. So, um, so we're almost wrapping up here. I'll just taking a look ahead. Again, they're going to finish the three game series against the Yankees. Um, then the Royals are coming to town. I can't think of another homestand where three teams come in that. Oriole fans uh, dislike the most when you got the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Royals. So that's pretty much the trifecta when it comes to that. Um, so they're going on the road trip after that to Toronto. Steve, I think you'll be going with them there, yep. a little north of the border. Um, and, of course, we have the uh, the player draft next Thursday, which uh, we'll, we'll see the Orioles pick uh, 27th. 27th. So yeah, they have four of the first 91. Um, they lost the 76. They traded. It's the only pick they had they could trade. They right. traded it that's in, right. in the Brian Mattis deal. Um 41 picks in 40 rounds, and look for them to take half and half. When it's over, they'll probably be about half position players, half pitchers. You always have to draft a lot of pitchers. Um, Gary Rasich won't reveal his game plan, but he clearly has been honest to say they have a specific one for these picks. In other words, they're hoping it falls this way, and when I get to 54, I'm thinking this guy, and I hope he's there, and they have some specific guys they're targeting 
that they hope are available at their each of those picks in the first uh, 91. And most most fans know this. I, I, I don't lump everybody into this, but this is not the same as the NFL draft. The players that they select, even the first-round pick, will, will not be suiting up for the Orioles tomorrow no. to come join uh, the team. This is a long-term process. It's about building up your, your farm system, developing these guys. Again, I think Gary Rich just mentioned what a, a need that the major league club might need right now is not necessarily what they're going to go out and draft because, again, this is not for yeah. tomorrow and or next month. People shouldn't misunderstand. You know? The Orioles are not different than other teams. Correct. All teams don't go into the draft going, we need a second baseman in this draft. Right. That's going to start on our team in August because right. you – can't get that exactly. and rare rare instances maybe and rare you know rare are these guys who quickly blow through amateur uh, pro ball right to the major league so teams are always drafting uh sometimes the needs they're filling are minor league needs when they get to around 18 20 25 we're a little light on third baseman in our system mm-hmm. so let's draft some left side infielders where we need some catchers at our lower level. So let's draft some high school catchers who next year will be in the Gulf Coast League in Aberdeen. And so they look at things like that. But you're filling... It's all part of a big plan. It's all all part part of a big plan, plan and you're hoping to, you know, best player available almost every time you pick. You know, the the regional scouts, the area scouts are so important here because Gary Rasich and his top people are seeing the top guys. When they get to the 12th round, Gary hasn't seen this infielder at Vanderbilt but his area scout has seen him 20 times. Right. So he's relying on those guys. And uh, it's. I would love to be part of that. They'll never let a media guy do it, but I would no, love I to doubt. see. It's nice to hope, though. <laughs> on, the in, on the inside, how that works, because uh, pulling it all together must be something with the amount of players you're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. Again, that's Thursday, June 9th. Um, Steve, we'll meet next week. We'll talk about the draft recap. Um, I think you'll be on the road, so we'll, uh, we'll do a little a road session there. Um, but we'll look forward to see how the Orioles can finish up this homestand. So, you got it. Sounds um, good, Brian. All right, check it out. Check us out on MassInSports.com, uh, Yard Work Podcast.